the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How do we find media that we can trust? And then, what is appropriate protesting? You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on a a hot Monday afternoon. Although, Aubrey, tomorrow's going to be 100 degrees. Wait! I did not know that. Tomorrow's going to be 100 degrees. That is officially hot. Is it going to be sunny, though, or kind of this weird overcasty thing that we've been having? 100 degrees. That's like being in an oven. Speaking of being in an oven... That was Florida. Florida. Home. Thank you. It's it's good to be back, although it was better to be on vacation. But no, uh, Florida was great. We had a great time. We'll talk about it later on in the show. But I loved being with my son. And I actually love that Florida heat. I will take it. We're it about is. to get it tomorrow. Okay. I'll pretend like I'm on vacation tomorrow. And uh, we'll tease something for a little later on because uh, you arrived back a day late Yes, I uh, my flight yesterday got canceled very unexpectedly, but thankfully it was before we had left for the airport, so we got a bonus vacation day. I'm just all right. Were you able to enjoy that bonus vacation day, or see me? Mm-hmm. I love vacation, but once I'm supposed to be like yeah. the wheels of going home or in motion, right. I just want to be home. Right. So it the nice thing was we were staying at a friend's house, so we had a free place to stay. We had a car rented, so it. I, I think I would have been stressed out if it meant like paying for another night at a hotel and figuring out details and rides. But really, we just got like more swim time. There you so go. So I'll take it. Yeah, no, no, it was very enjoyable. It, I am definitely glad to be back, though. It was good, time good. to come home. We had a great trip. Uh, and selfishly, uh, I was starting to get worried that you weren't going to be back today. And I was going to You're going to have to do a live again. show all by yourself. Ooh. Although you carried, it, you carried it very well last week. So well I, done. I do appreciate that. But it's good to have you back. And, uh, hey, if you've missed any of our shows, you can find us, uh, our podcast, wherever it is, get your podcast, subscribe, rate, review. You can also find us online at 1160hope.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Common Good Talk. I'll be later on in the show. We're going to do our little segment called Grinds My Gears, but uh, I had something happen at my daughter's <gasps> softball tournament that I'm very excited to oh, talk about. Oh, I cannot wait to hear about this. <clears throat> Coaches acting poorly. Man, I feel like you've had about. a lot of those stories. Oh, this one but takes This is the like cake. the post-COVID coaching world this or something. This one takes the mm. cake. So, uh, yes, good times all right. around. All, all right. right, let me share two things that I saw uh, probably end of last week, into the weekend. Okay. That has gotten me thinking about this. Here's the question I want you to think about as I tell you why I've been thinking about this. All right. This. I will close my eyes and consider it. How do we figure out media that we can trust? Oh, this How is the question. How do we figure out where to get our news? Mm-hmm. Or is all media, is all, are all messengers biased? Yeah. Is all, me, are all the mediums, if you right. will, biased? Right. I thought about this for very two very specific reasons. One, the January 6th hearings are going on right now. Yeah. They were in prime time last week. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, I think the first night, 20 million people, they said, watched it. Wow. And that wasn't even counting streaming. So wow. it's a big deal. But beyond the numbers, 
it feels like, and we talked about this before you left town, it feels like people should care regardless of what you Mm-hmm. Uh, your politics. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you have to agree. It right. doesn't mean you have to think, oh, this was President Trump's fault. Yes. This was this person. Yes. But we should care about what happened on January the 6th. I wholeheartedly agree because Feels. I feel like, again, it was like a terrorist attack domestically. Yeah. Our yeah. own people on our own capital. And it should have happened. So people should care that it happened and and what the outcome is. Yeah. And there's, uh, you know, some big things coming out in the investigation that you know, deal with the danger that Mike Pence was under mm-hmm. or how close it actually came yep. or that all of these things, some new videos that hadn't been there. Well, here's what's interesting. This gets this is point one as to how do we know what media to trust? Uh, most especially cable news channels are carrying these. Uh, these hearings. Right. Except for one. Fox News decided not only are they not going to carry it, but that they ran uninterrupted programming during it so that people wouldn't leave. Like they didn't even run commercials. They, they no lost commercials, money right? by being on the air. But that's how much uh, they didn't want to do it. And it gets you thinking. And I'm not going to ask you to answer this question, okay. but it gets you thinking, why would they have made that decision? <laughs> right. And uh, I think we all know the various well, reasons. Well, so, and this was this was shocking because you told me this. And, of course, I was kind of checked out of the world on vacation last week. This shocked me that they wouldn't cover it. Didn't cover it. The live hearings. They might have yeah. talked about sure, it during sure, the Sure, 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 sure. But, I mean, the, the actual hearings, they did not televise them. Okay? So, yeah. so that's point one. Now let's flip to the other side. Yeah. Okay? So you know, we like people to listen who who listen to think we're – you know, as balanced as we can be. Right? Yeah. Yep. So uh, President Biden's been having some PR issues as of late. Yes, he has. And uh, so they gave him a little bit of a soft landing spot the other day on the Jimmy Kimmel. Show. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So Jimmy Kimmel got a, a pretty long sit down on his night show. Wow. With uh, with President Biden. Yeah. Jimmy Kimmel, everybody knows he's very liberal. He's very, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. very antagonistic towards the former president, yeah. towards President Trump, yeah. all of these things. Well, Jimmy Kimmel has as Joe Biden on. And you would think, OK, if I were interviewing Joe Biden, there's a couple different mm-hmm. things I would want to ask him. There are two things that did not come up in this extended interview oh, no. that Jimmy Kimmel did with Joe Biden. Okay. Gas prices and inflation. Stop it. Were never mentioned. Are you kidding? I am not joking. So again, if you tuned in going, I would like to, and I know Jimmy Kimmel's a comedian. Jimmy yeah. Kimmel yeah. But still, he's sitting with the president right. of the United States. And that's what's on everybody's mind. Let's be honest. I, I, the, the cheapest of my cars to fill up on a gas tank cost me $81 today. I, it is absolutely out of control right now. And it's right the now. cheapest of yeah. my cars. Yeah. We're all, I was in Wisconsin for a baseball game the other day, and all the dads, we all said, and we were sitting there, we go, I can't believe I was just got excited when I got across the border and saw 510. <laughs> no. I saw 510, and I was like, oh, it's cheap. And yeah. we're like, what is going no, on? No, it's so ridiculous. I had to, this is, I mean, this is really personal, but like I had to put gas on our credit card. I've yeah. never had to do that before because we have a gas line in our budget. We have not been able to stick with that because it's so crazy. Um, real. So to your point, everybody's thinking right now about gas. And yeah. whether you believe President Biden could flip a switch and change it, or you don't think the president has anything to do with right, it. Right, right. do you think inflation's on him or not on him? Right. How you don't ask the, the, the president 
about the things that are affecting every American right now. Obviously, it was a PR spin, and they were like, we won't discuss this. And so that's all of my long-winded way of saying, I saw these two things take place over the weekend or Friday or Thursday, whenever they happen, and I go, I'm not sure there's any, and we're in the media right now, but I'm not (laughs) sure that there's any real news media that we can trust in the sense of going, all right, I'm going to go there, and I'm just going to get, I guess this sounds really naive, the facts. Right. Or I'm going to get right. down the middle. That, right. That everything, you have to understand the lens through which everything. So uh, am I too cynical? Is that the way we should be looking at news media? How do you go about trying to figure out what's going on in the world? I mean, what's so sad to me is that I I guess we all do need to wake up to this reality that there is an angle, right? Mm-hmm. There's a bias When it comes to the media that we consume. And I think what becomes difficult for me is I don't think you, okay, you spend the morning on Fox News and then you spend the afternoon on NPR. Like, I don't think two total polarized news sources make balance like Mm. i don't think that's the answer i see what you're saying but i do think you have to know they're coming from a certain bias they're coming from a certain point of view and so when you're consuming it you have to go okay it's through that lens i wonder what a different uh you know news outlet would how they would tell the same story and it's like you have to do some detective discerning work on your own, with trusted people in your community, with your spouse, with your friends, and be like, okay, what's actually happening here? There's actually, again, I don't even know how accurate this is. There's a website called allsites.com, and they basically have a like a scale of media bias. They go all the way from really far left to all the way from really far right. And, and then they have a center category. So it goes like far left, left, center, right, far right. <laughs> and then they have every news um, outlet kind of in those columns. And it's not, it's based only on their online content. Okay. But that's a way you can kind of say, okay, they lean a little more left. They lean a little more right. They're kind of in the center and make some decisions yeah. that way. Um but I, Brian, it's it is trickier and trickier especially, to find trustworthy sort of just like unbiased. I don't know if it's possible, especially with algorithms and social media. Now, I remember. Over yeah, the pandemic, right. Right. I had a friend who was, in my opinion, starting to uh, spew some real conspiratorial yeah. conspiracy theory. Yeah. stuff, And I was just like, how did this person get there? Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to this person. And they said essentially this, like, I don't understand how you don't believe these things to oh. me. And they, we proceeded to figure out that, that and they they didn't buy this, but that they were only getting the most the most crazy things. The algorithm was feeding them on their Facebook because that's what they were that's what they were consuming, and so that's all they consumed. And they yeah. were going, well, "Why don't you believe this? I'm seeing this; it's mm. all clear as day." And I'm like, "You're crazy!" <laughs> and it was just wild. It, there's wow. so much to consider about. Man, about not like like we like to think. Well, I watch the news and then I decide. It's not how it works. Mm-hmm. So whether you use a site like this mm-hmm. or, but even that is probably some. It probably bias. has so some bias. Yep. I, I think that one of the main points here is just do the work yeah. a little bit and yeah. understand your own biases. Mm-hmm. Understand the biases of the things you're watching and maybe 
If you're a cable news watcher, don't just watch the same one all yeah, the time. Yeah, switch it up. Yep, look around. Yep. Uh, and I guess knowing's half the battle, just knowing that these things. I think so, too. I think that's a huge part of it. Yep. Protests. Yes, I've heard of them. Are all? I'm, I want you to think about this, and let okay. me read you this story. Are all protests, is, is everything on the table, especially for someone who is um, in the limelight, is somebody who is in politics or a leader, whatever else it might be. Here's the background, why, okay. why I ask you that okay. question. Abortion group, I'm reading this from Christian Headlines. Abortion group encourages protests outside Amy Coney Barrett's house, church, oh. children's school. Oh. A pro-abortion group is calling on people to protest outside the home of Amy Coney Barrett's, uh, outside her home, her church, and the school her children attend. Here's what they wrote. Uh, if you're in the D.C. metro area, join us. Our protests at Barrett's home move the needle to this coverage. Falls Church is a people of praise stronghold. That is Amy Coney Barrett's part of the people of praise. It's uh, it's a sect. It's a denomination. She sends her seven kids to a people of praise school where she previously sat on the board of directors. She attends church daily. This group Ruth sent us wrote tonight. We have signs. If you need them, water, snacks, solidarity. Mm -hmm. See you there. Another group wrote. They said they want to expose our corrupt and illegitimate Supreme Court. They posted in another uh, spot. They describe themselves as, quote, Barrett's cul-de-sac. We protest at Mm -mm. Barrett's cul-de-sac every Thursday and gave the address and uh, help us fend off her hostile racist neighbors. Uh, And Amy Coney Barrett hates women, they wrote. Oh, my. Not only have demonstrations been held outside the justice's home, but as you might have seen over the weekend or last week, a man was arrested last week under the charge of the attempted murder of Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Nicholas John Roski was uh, arrested near Kavanaugh's home, and he had a Glock 17 pistol, ammunition, mm. a knife, zip ties, pepper spray, duct Come tape, on. and other items. Also told the police that he sought to break into the justice's home and kill him. So uh, this is a, this is something. Uh, this is something. So uh, – there are some people who probably are thinking, hey, listen, the Supreme Court, they're making major choices. They're going to, you know, might mm-hmm. take away abortion or whatever else it might be. This is fair game. But I think most of us believe that this feels dangerously crazy to go to her house, her church, yep. her kids' school as you read this. Um, and then when people are like, it's dangerous and other people scoff at that, you go, well, there was just a guy arrested who said he would. Trying to kill he was the trying to kill Brent Kavanaugh. So yeah. what do you think of this group? Is this ever okay to protest uh, a senator, a, uh, a, a Supreme Court justice, a Congress pusher, or a celebrity or somebody else in the limelight? Is it ever okay nope. to go to their nope. private residence, nope. to their kid's school? It's absolutely never okay. I okay. mean, I, I, don't, I don't think... You mentioned celebrities, but I was thinking, like, I don't even want people doing this to the Kardashians. Mm -hmm. I don't want, I'm pro-life, I don't want pro-life protesters to do this to an anti-pro-life government leader Mm -hmm. at their home. Go to the government offices and do it there. Go to the streets and do it. There are places where you can have a civil protest, and I think you wholeheartedly should. That's a great part about America. Like, go and protest. Absolutely not in front of people's homes. That's mm. their private residence that endangers them. And when there are kids involved, you have gone way too far. Yes. Like you've just absolutely crossed the line. And I'm sorry if that's like moving the needle to the coverage. That's bad coverage for you. Yeah. That makes you look bad. That makes what you're standing for look bad. I, I think this is, I don't, 
don't understand this. Like, there has to be a line in which protesters are like, okay, well, I know we're angry about this. This feels like an issue of injustice for us, but enough is enough. Yeah. Like, this is this is too far. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think is causing this? Is it, because I don't, maybe I'm wrong. I don't feel like this is what happened before. And I know tensions are really high, yeah. especially over abortion debates and yeah. such right now. But it feels like any rational person would go, this is not right. Yeah, I mean, Amy Coney Barrett, I could be I think I'm going to get the number wrong, but I think she has like seven kids. Yeah, she has seven kids. kids. Like to say that we're going to protest outside these kids Mm -mm. homes, Mm -mm. uh, their church and their school and think that that's okay. Like it feels like and and here's the deal. If if somebody said, uh, let's go protest outside you know, the most liberal justice about abortion. I'd be right. like, don't go to her don't house. Don't go to her don't house. To his, yeah. Don't go to his, his kid's house. school. Right. Don't go to their. Absolutely not. Or, you know, if you wanted to protest, you know, a, a congressperson, don't go to their. Like, Mm-mm. it feels like most rational people are going, that's out of bounds. I agree. So why, what do you think is driving those people who are like, no, it's all good. We, you know, fight fire with fire or whatever. You know, now it's, now it's time to do this. I mean, What's I don't know what's motivating them because it feels like now you're at a level of putting people at danger. Right. And I I don't I guess it is so much like what you would assume is like righteous anger for your point of view that you're willing to do whatever it takes. Like this is stepping on your civil liberty in such a way that you're willing to fight back. And I just don't think it is. I don't think it's true civility. I don't think it's the right way to do this. And again, I'm saying protest all you want, but do it in the public square, like do it in or public buildings. Don't. I don't know when you're getting when you're putting someone's kids and their own lives and their own. Maybe it's very American of me, but their own privacy at risk. I just think you I don't know. You've really stepped onto some dangerous ground that that does not feel like. Like if there is fair use for protest, you've crossed way out of fair use. Yeah, I guess I guess this would be funny in some ways. I I, I wouldn't encourage this, but it's like if people can find out who run these groups mm-hmm. and go mess up go with to their, their homes house and see yeah. how it feels, and all of a sudden we're like, you know, that's not right. Like yeah. it's not right to do that yeah. to kids, and uh, it's not right. But I, I don't know this. You know what it makes me think of? This is a weird connection, but hear me out. I don't know if you remember, Leah Remini had that like show that was kind of trying to tear down the Church of Scientology a few years that. ago. Yes. OK, and and there were Scientology protesters going to her house or the people's house that she was interviewing, trying to threaten them and scare mm. them. And it made the Church of Scientology look more insane than it already does. <laughs> like it made them look like evil people. And that's sort of like this same energy is yeah. like, dude's dudesses whatever you are going you're just going too far like you've just it's like if there's etiquette about protesting you've moved beyond etiquette to endangering other people's lives and i think one of our sort of foundational things as americans is like we have the right to exercise our rights until it causes harm to somebody else and i just i don't like that that sort of civility isn't there i feel like we've used the word civility every show Mm. and now there's people in our culture 
even in the church who are making fun of people I who talk so. about civility. Saying that it's time for something else, but, I guess. But I don't it's like not. It. This is way, way, way too far. And if you're like, no, it's not, I would I would point to the story of Brett Kavanaugh and the guy literally saying, I yeah, came to kill him. Yeah. And that probably could have happened if the police hadn't gotten involved in the middle of it. So disturbing stories. I, and if you're not disturbed by them, I think you've got issues that you need to think about. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think we're better than that as a I church agree. and I as agree. a nation as well. <laughs> Welcome back to the Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, I'm Brian Fromm. That music, Aubrey, can only mean one thing. It is a little segment that we call Grinds My Gears. Grinds My I am so ready for this. So you're good at Grinds My Gears. I appreciate that about you. Let me give you you the background to Grinds My Gears if you're new to the show. Uh, Grinds My Gears is something Ian and I started way back near the beginning of the show, and it's this. We understand there's major things going on in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a war in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. There's gas prices, yes. inflation. Yes. There's all sorts of things right. that are much, much, much bigger. Yes. And those are things that should be discussed and lamented and struggled with. Yes. But there's also little annoyances in our <laughs> lives that that if we don't get them out, mm-hmm. they're going to build. Yeah. And they're going to build yeah. some this more. This is just a venting. This is a healthy venting session. You need to do these in your marriage every yeah. now and then because what's, what's oftentimes what gets you in your marriage? Little things <laughs> over time, right? Right, right. Uh, but sometimes we just need to... Get these things out, mm-hmm. and, and today is one of those days. Yes. And when I say you're good at these, what my my old partner Ian Simpkins, <laughs> he was really bad at this. So right. I would get on. I believe the very first grinds my gears we did. I talked about uh, somebody uh, uh, getting mad on the road at me and flicking me off and yeah. doing this and that. Yeah. And I I think the second one I talked about people who put their dogs in strollers. <laughs> That's and my favorite one. That one or people yeah. who name their animals with with human names. Yeah. Like, yeah. Things that aren't that big a deal, but right. are really annoying. It annoys you. Ian couldn't do it, and so he'd always be like, "You know what grinds my gears is how much I love my wife." <laughs> That's not funny, and that doesn't make for a fun grinds my gears. Do you know what grinds my gears is just how much I care about the poor. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what grinds my gears is people with, with dogs and strollers. Or, uh, yeah. I talked about paper straws during yes. this segment. Oh, paper and, straws are the worst. And other things. And so that's the essence of grinds okay. my gears. What are those little annoyances? Man, I got some good ones. Well, you. this is what I appreciate. You texted me going, yeah. I need to do Grinds I, My Gears I need today. to. There's some stuff I got to vent so about. So I've got one, too, from yeah. the weekend, but uh, the floor is yours. Thank you. I need to do this. This is like a therapy session for me because, I remember, I'm hot off an airplane. Like, yes. I, I landed from Florida. I went home. I came to the studio. Here's what happened. On my airplane, Brian, yes. just behind me. Just behind you. Was a dog. Okay. Now, I a understand. Service dog. I assume a service dog. However, I don't think service dogs go in crates. And this was a little dog in a crate. That is not a service okay, dog. Okay. So I would say that's not a service dog. I I understand people need service dogs on plane. That said, I have a son who is anaphylactically allergic to dogs. So I already have an issue with it. However, if my, my, my son, it was my other son, not allergic to dogs, was there. So it was okay. But this dog, you know how y- little dogs... They yip. I own little dogs, and, and I you remember know. when they were puppies. And okay, that sound they made in the crate it's was high pitched. It was the worst. It's the worst. It's horrendous. This dog on the airplane, Brian, 
yipped, yapped, whatever you're supposed to say, for two and a half hours straight, directly oh, behind I us. I have so many questions. Can I ask you these questions? Oh, yeah. I mean, my shoulders are tense just talking about so it. So the obvious question is, how did you not throw this dog out the door of the yeah, airplane? Yeah, I mean, that's another question. we were all strangers. We're making eye contact with each other, like giving each other the like, oh, kind of look, you know? Uh, but my bigger question is this. Okay. Uh what was the person like? Because if that were yeah. me. Yes. Wouldn't so, you be like, I'm so sorry, everyone. So we, well, mm-hmm. this is my hard part about this because mm-hmm. we've all been there with crying children. We've all been there with crying but children. everyone understands the crying child. Mm-hmm. They get that. Mm-hmm. The question becomes a, a yipping dog. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone sitting around there going, nope. oh, yeah, no, you, you're right. No. Nobody had compassion working. on that dog. So what was the scene like? Paint the scene for me. Yeah. The scene was a lot of stressed out passengers all around. A flight attendant who who was very upset and continued to go to the woman with the dog and, and ask, do you have Benadryl? Do you have other dog medication? Do you have... Something, can you take your dog out of the crate? Like she kept trying to, and finally she said, I hope Chicago is your last stop because you cannot fly with this dog again. And (laughs) at one point the dog owner said, okay, I understand you've made your point. But never once did she like apologize to the people around. Instead, she just was like, it's okay. And then here's what I overheard. She talked to the dog, didn't she? She says, (laughs) I think the dog is just stressed out because of our flight delay. (laughs) <laughs> and I wanted to literally go back and slap her across the face because one, that dog doesn't know there was a flight delay. I'm sorry. Your, no. your dog did not know the airplane was late. So your dog things, did not know that. Two things. Let, let me protect you here. I don't think you literally wanted to f- slap her in the face. Cause I, I don't, I went to, I figuratively, I metaphorically you, wanted to emotionally wanted, wanted to. to, but, but secondly, there is no doubt that that dog has a human name and was getting in a stroller, right? The second, a hundred percent. You're right, Brian. You're right. So nope. that's my you go ahead you go ahead with yours that's a tough one to top but i I think i can get close okay let's hear it. my daughter had a softball tournament a one-day tournament on saturday my wife was out of town with my son at his baseball tournament so i was there for all four games four games in a row that is a lot of baseball a lot of softball a lot of softball so the game my daughter's team went two and two they did great and the team that they beat by the most when the coaches get there from this other team, yeah. they all look like they are on steroids. Oh. They are big, tight blue shirts wow. that say coach on the back. Okay. And you could tell they were going to be those coaches. Wow. Aubrey, in the course of this game, one of the coaches got ejected. Stop. The other coach. Stop it. All the coaches were yelling at the ump the whole time. No. The second coach uh, yelled close by, yelled at our coach. No. Yelled at the umpire. No. And yelled, got into it with some of our moms. Are you moms? Moms. Not even dads? Moms. Wait, this is like a 13-year-old softball league? 12. No. She's not 13, but it's 12 you. Uh, and so no, one got bad. ejected and they kept yelling. It was Come on. so Come on. uncomfortable. I have kids in youth baseball, youth uh, volleyball, softball. I've coached teams growing up. If you're one of those people, can I just vent here? Please, if please. If you are one of those people who yells at umpires yeah. and, and makes kids nervous and this and that, you are the worst. Yeah, you shouldn't be coaching a 12-year-old team. You shouldn't be around 12-year-olds. Right, right, that's you true. You shouldn't, let alone coach the team. <gasps> what in the world? And here's something that I'll tell you that was not surprising at all. Two separate occasions during this game, 
girls on the other team got so stressed out that they, they cried. cried. I was going to say girls were definitely crying. There was a I would have been crying, crying while she was pitching I because mean, she was throwing. Well, of course sh- she was because muscle guy over there in the corner is yelling Come at on. everybody. This is 12 year old softball. Come on. It, oh, I'd pull my kid out of that league so fast. It was the worst. And you know what it did? Mm-hmm. It took all the joy. Our uh, team that's killed That's what I was just thinking. Like, killed but him. that it wouldn't even be a fun close, win. And we couldn't have gotten out of there quickly Is there like enough. a, like you go and you complain to XYZ softball manager of no, the United States? I mean, that is awful. It was. Ugh. It was so bad. And they were still, the guy who got ejected barely went down the line and he was still yelling Come. and still getting who gets ejected up. from a 12-year-old girl's softball game? It is the worst. And I, I go to these games all the time, Aubrey. What's wrong with people? It's it's a problem. Do you know they have a shortage of umpires right now in high school baseball? Because- I, I do want to talk about a couple things. Right. Uh, I had a really interesting conversation with my cab driver on my trip last week. But before we go there, here's what I got to talk to you about because I've been out for a little bit. I'm coming back in. There's a lot of news about monkeypox. Monkeypox. Are you? Are we afraid of monkeypox? There's a couple reasons. I'm speaking out of turn here. Please, okay. I've not done much. Yeah. But uh, monkeypox. Uh, I'm not scared of it for a couple reasons. Okay. One uh, is just it's got a funny name. Uh, it does have a funny name. Two, isn't it primarily skin to skin, sexually transmitted? So there are easy ways to this is we're not you talking can, it's not covid we're not right talking we're not COVID. talking covid no you have to you have to monkeypox version you have to make some pretty intentional um, choices intent, okay okay intentionally unclothed choices <laughs> to get monkeypox monkey yes okay that this is, a true this is making me feel a lot better okay yes, so, so 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 we're not afraid of monkeypox right no, now no and in fact if you see someone with monkeypox you could probably judge them a little bit <laughs> <laughs> cuz we kind of know how they got monkeypox okay cuz you know I was just in some big crowds at Disney. So I, you know, I got monkeypox on my yes. mind. So I, hope, I yes. definitely, I kept my clothes on at Disney the and so did everyone did, else. The same so. way you didn't get pregnant from being on there. You also didn't I get also monkey didn't get Okay, phew. can breathe a little bit deeper. Okay, uh, Ryan, we're going to turn towards a more serious conversation now. Okay, so this is all anecdotal because this is just a conversation with a cab driver who's become a family friend. Oh. So my my parents, I'll give you some background. My parents uh, fly to and from Oklahoma to here and have for years to help watch the kids or just visit us, right? And on one trip with American Taxi, they became friends with their taxi driver. and her uh, She's from Lithuania. Okay. She's been in the States for years. But now she's like our family's go-to cab driver. We all have her number in our phone. We all call her. She's our go-to gal. If you need a recommendation, let me know. I'll give you her information sometime. But um, because she's from uh, Europe, she's a lot of friends in Eastern Europe, and she's a lot of Polish friends. And I was just asking her on the way to the airport, you know, hey, what are you hearing from your friends in Poland about Ukraine? Is there any news? Is there any... And here's what she said. She said, one, it's been devastating to her as a European to see how quickly Americans have kind of moved on from the uh, news of the Ukrainian war, um, Mm -hmm. uh, the Russian war on Ukraine. She said that, you know, it it seemed like at first we were all in and we had our Ukrainian, you know, flags and we were giving financial support. And we but she was like the news cycle in America moves so quickly. Everyone has just sort of moved on. But the people there are still suffering so much. And she said, I I know we can't, you know, you and I have talked about this in the show. I know you can't always be in it. But I do wish she was saying Americans would stay a little more present than they are. 
But then the other thing she began to tell me is that so she has uh, several friends in Poland who have taken in Ukrainian moms and kids, mm, gladly wanting to do so. But what she said is over time, now that they're realizing this is not going to be a short term situation, but could be years and years, because even if Russia left today, it's still going to take Ukrainian, the Ukrainian people a long generation. Yeah. To rebuild. Right. And so now that there are Ukrainian people living with their friends in Poland, even them trying to get work, trying to establish themselves, the people that have opened up their home, she was saying, are experiencing a lot of compassion fatigue. Not that they're going to kick anybody out, not that they know it's no one's fault, but realizing this is now a long-term situation. Yes. I've invited an entire family into my home, and it's not going to be for two weeks. Mm. And they're carrying the financial load. They're carrying the meal load. They're carrying the, you know, and that takes a toll on anybody. And so she was saying there's a lot of, she was very careful to say, again, no one's blaming the Ukrainians. People are very glad to open their homes. But reality is setting in yeah. over there yeah. and that this might be a long-term situation I mean, she spoke of the major compassion yeah. fatigue. And I was thinking about that. We're, we're not obviously this as similarly connected, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't, many of us don't have Ukrainian people living in our homes right now because we're not just across the right. border. But I do think we experience compassion fatigue in any role, like nurses I know experience this, especially in COVID, doctors, yeah. uh, those of us who care for people experience compassion fatigue. And perhaps it's unfair to talk about war refugees and have a conversation about the regular folks like you and me. But I do think that's a reality. Like something like this sits in. What do you do? Yeah. I think is the question. Like, how do you endure when you are constantly giving care to someone and it's going longer than you thought it yeah, would? Yeah, compassion fatigue's a real deal, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it is interesting, uh, her assessment, that we in America move on quickly. I think that's natural. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you feel invested in a story, but if you're not actually connected to the story in any way, be it the, the war in the Ukraine, be it 9-11, mm-hmm. be it what, COVID or whatever else yeah. it might be. The, the difficulty is for those people who are very much connected to it, feeling like they've been left behind. Right. And, and that's right. hard. We always have to remember that. But, yeah, how do you keep going? I, I, I think about people who, um, you know, I, I remember this will sound like a dark story. I remember knowing of somebody whose kid got in a really bad accident, mm. right? Like they they were brain damaged. Mm. And the community really rallied around them. But then – couple weeks months later yeah. like the, the community goes back to normal life, right right and now you're left with a with a brain injured child right and you've just got to go grind it out uh, day after day uh. after day and i think that's where where those closest to you kind of step in mm-hmm. so not the whole community but hopefully your family yeah. or your yeah. best friend or yeah. your neighbors whatever else it might be but i think for those who might be fatigued i think there's an opportunity to go um you know, how can I still help? I'm, yeah. I'm going to put it in my notes in my calendar to keep. Um, That's a good to idea. Keep going. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's a real deal, though. The other thing that it made me think about, Brian, is although we are not experienced compassion fatigue when it comes to you know the war in Ukraine, like you talked about, I do think we've probably grown. Uh, the news has grown a little bit old, which is really unfair to say for those who are in the middle of it suffering. And it, it did bring to mind to me just even this conversation with her a reminder. 
to be praying for the Ukrainian displaced people, for the Ukrainian people still on the ground, for all the lives lost. And then I think I I have not been considering those who have taken people into their homes. So praying for those border countries who have opened up their homes. Now some of that compassion, fatigue and reality is setting in praying for them, for their strength, and even for those countries' economies that somehow they can open up places of work for Ukrainian people who might not even speak the language. And I don't know, praying for some of those things in a way that I haven't even considered doing that, I think is maybe a way for us, even though we're not experiencing compassion fatigue, it's a way for us to continue entering into the story when we'd rather look away. Mm. Um, I was also looking up this um, conversation about burnout versus compassion fatigue, and sim- they're very similar, obvious, but compassion fatigue originates from dealing with victims of trauma, where burnout's just from being overworked or overwhelmed. And so they might yeah. have some of the same symptoms, right, where you feel withdrawn, isolated, diminished, et cetera, okay. but ob- so obviously uh, the point is you and I aren't experiencing compassion fatigue those who are caring for these displaced people are right. but we might experience burnout when it comes to even like the Talking news stories yes, yeah even thinking and praying about it it's, yeah you just lose you, you move on to the next thing mm-hmm. and that's human nature that's nothing that's not wrong or right but mm-hmm. i think we need to be reminded that people need help yeah uh and and do what we can yeah that's exactly right so this is a call i guess to com- com- continue praying even if you feel fatigued but especially for those who are feeling fatigued in the middle of it. One of the, this is kind of strange. We talk about certain entities pretty consistently here at The Common Good. And one of those entities is the Southern Baptist uh, denomination. And every year uh, we cover the Southern Baptist Convention. And this is the largest convention of its type where leaders from the Southern Baptist denomination from all over the states come together to talk about, you know, pressing issues, the state of the church, that kind of thing. And uh, it started, I think, today, Brian, yes, it did. Uh, people flying into Anaheim from all over the country. And, um, you know, it'd be interesting, I think, to see how things unfold as the week goes on. Certainly, we know that some of the sexual uh, abuse allegations will be at the center of what they're talking about. Um, will there be a vote for a new uh, SBC? Is. Pre- there is a vote so for the, a new SBC president. And I think what's fascinating, what people need to know what's going on here. And the reason we keep bringing up the Southern Baptist Convention is because it is the largest uh, Protestant denomination that there is. But here's what's fascinating, Aubrey. I've kind of been watching this from afar through Twitter and, you know, through some of our people like Bob Smetana, Kate Chelna, and others. What's really fascinating is there is a legitimate power struggle going on right now. It does seem like it, it, doesn't it? It is a legitimate – it's not just a power struggle in the sense of one candidate for president, vice president, all that versus yeah, the other. Yeah. But it's like the direction of it. Mm. There is the really conservative side of things. Yeah. Uh, basically highlighted by the conservative Baptist network that is wanting to take the Southern Baptist convention a lot more conservative uh, culturally, but also in the stances they take. Interesting. Um, you know, some of their ecclesiology, yep. all of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, one of the. I would call figureheads of it, although not running for any office or anything. One of the people that they point to a lot is John MacArthur. Right. right? It was more is, conservative. Right. Yeah. So I'm kind of painting that picture. Mm-hmm. Think MacArthur when you think these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and nothing wrong with it. Like, yeah. But there's a directional thing. And then there's the other side 
that is uh, wanting to kind of not even, you know, probably go much less conservative. Not, uh, you know, they're they're still going to be conservative on sexuality. Yes. They're still going to be conservative yes. on a lot of things. But that's how J.D. Greer became the president uh, before Ed Litton last yeah. year. Yeah. And it felt like a tension before. But from afar, reading about it now, it feels like a... Um, a, a split might happen. It kind of feels that. That's way. what I feel like too. And I'm not saying I, I'm predicting that or I know that, but the, that that tension feels ripe mm-hmm. for like the SBC continues, and now there's this conservative Baptist network that begins its own, I guess, denomination or division of SBC. Yep. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, fa- uh, it, it, faction. It it definitely feels like it's sort of ripe for that because of the division that's taking yep. place, and it <clears> makes me think. I mean, you know, you and I are not in the SBC, but obviously because it is it is the largest Protestant denomination and you and I have very many friends that are connected to SBC. I came to Christ in a Southern Baptist church. We feel affection for the church. Yes, and, and it's interesting to us as church leaders and just as Christians in general. I, I think to me, Brian, something that you actually said off air that I think is so true is doesn't it feel like this is... Uh, mirroring what's happening in the world. Like our politics are so divided. Our conversations are so divided. Our families are so divided. And here we are seeing this denomination so divided. It just, I I, I mean, I don't get, I I guess I don't really know what to say about that, except I wonder if the church ought to look different. It's, it has a lot of the same issues that you're going to see as is going on culturally right now. This shouldn't surprise you. The two, the two people running for president, uh, one of them is a Florida pastor named Tom Askell. He is the head of something called Founders Ministries, which is a Calvinist group with ties to the conservative Baptist network. The other guy's name is Brett uh, Bart Barber, a Texas pastor uh, who's known for his folksy social media followers um, videos and his tweets about Southern Baptists. He's he's much more um, less conservative, like moderate or something. And you're starting to hear what are the things you're hearing about being talked about within the Southern Baptist convention, critical race theory, Mm. transgenderism, all of which are important. I guess culture, but it's a lot centered on culture and which direction is the Southern Baptist convention going to go? It sounds like quite frankly, the Republican party, if you will, for me, I mean, the the one break, the, the, you know, there's factions of the Republican party who are wanting to say, no, we got to go all in culture war. We got to go all in. And there's other ones who are like, no, we want to be more moderate. We want to be this. And uh, man, I'm fascinated. We should talk to Bob Smetana sometime next week or something because yeah, that'd be great. It just feels like, like you said, if this goes poorly, it does feel like there could be a fracturing to the point of a split of mm-hmm. some sort, which maybe wouldn't be the worst thing, I suppose. Uh, but uh, I think there's going to be, and then there's other fascinating things up right there. Bob Smetana's article here at Religion News says one of the things in there is what to do. What happens to Saddleback, Rick Warren? Uh, because you might remember very um, publicly last year, he brought on three women pastors. Yeah. Regardless of what you think out there, right. the Southern Baptist Convention thinks something very specific. Yes. So depending on who's the new yes. president, the Tom Askell side, the conservative side's like, no, we are going to double yeah. down on this. Right. We're going to go. Right. The other side might be like, well, where's reason for right. discussion and nuance here? So really, where I, I would encourage people out there, read the articles, mm-hmm. watch what happens, mm-hmm. because this isn't just about who becomes president. This is every bit about what direction in this political climate 
what direction is the Southern Baptist Convention, the largest Protestant denomination there is? Literally, what direction are they going to go? And hanging out there is the whole sex abuse scan, uh, settlement. And the new president and and all of them are yep. going to have a lot to say about yep. Not does it happen or not happen, but how does it happen? How, how do will they go forward? Right. I, I, yeah, and I think what's going to be interesting, and again, I, I know it seems weird to talk about this when we're sort of outside of it, but I do think it's going to show us a picture of where the larger evangelical church is headed. Not that everyone follows the Southern Baptist denomination, but I do think this is such a picture of just church in general right now, especially the evangelical church being divided on so many of these hot button topics that it'll be interesting to, I, I feel like how this plays out is almost going to be like a prophetic look at how the church plays out going forward. Will there be splits among more churches? Will we tend to go a little more progressive or a little more conservative? Yes. I mean, I feel like time will tell, obviously, but it's going to be very interesting to continue to and pay I, attention to. I think it's a great reminder for those of us who are not Southern Baptists to say this. Um, the current political um, climate of our country has undoubtedly affected the church mm. and been embraced by the mm. church. Not even affected. That sounds yeah. way too passive. It's yeah. been embraced by the yeah. church. Everything that's happening right now, if you dig in and watch how the Southern Baptist uh, conversation is going yeah. – it will. It should remind you of a night of cable news. It should remind you of what's going on in the in between the Republicans and the Democrats and the heart of it's a country. It's a denomination. It's the same conversations. Yeah. It reminds you that. All right, the, the, you mentioned before. I wish the church would look different. Quite mm-hmm. frankly, this helps remind you. In large parts, it really doesn't, and that's that's troublesome. Yeah, that is troublesome, and I think that's something we're going to have to talk about in the days ahead as we watch this unfold. Like, is this a quote-unquote good look for the church, or should we, yeah, should we be expecting something else? We'll continue talking about this week for sure. I'm pretty impressed because you held down, to, what was it, Wednesday and Thursday without that's right. me? That's right. That you uh, were able to do, like, you can talk to yourself. For oh, a good amount of time. Nobody else will listen to me, so that's what I say in my house. <laughs> this is your moment. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say all the things I need to say. We are most uh, curious, though, about Disney World. Like, obviously, I'm sure the wedding was nice. The wedding was very I'm sure nice. All of the, I'm sure spending yeah. time with your son was. It nice, was but, nice. But for people who listened last week before you left, we really built up the fact that you were heading to Disney World. Yeah. That you were trying to pick which park. Yeah. Where are you going to park, Hopper? How yeah. much money were you willing yes. to spend? Please yes. tell us. Well, we spent a lot of money. I'll just <laughs> say that. I did have a budget, and I did go over the budget. I'm sorry to my husband, Kevin. Uh, but we, he didn't clean the house. He though. didn't clean the house, so it's all. We did. Um, we ended up going to Epcot, and we park hopped to Hollywood Studios. That's so I felt like we did the two best, uh, best parks and rode all the best rides. And my son was he hung in there from like eight a.m. to like nine p.m. Like we stayed until the fireworks show wow. and the whole thing was over. We ate so much just like nasty but delicious food. You know what I mean? Nasty Park food. Nasty, delicious, and expensive. Yes. Sure. Oh, so expensive. Unbelievably expensive. Uh, but we had such a great time. It The weather was actually, I mean, it was hot because it was Florida, but like we had breezes nice. and, you know, everyone saw it rain and kind of cool you down, but then it would stop and the crowds really weren't too bad. And we had a, we had a very, good. very good time. Yeah. Good. I got a little sunburn. It so it depends. was worth it. Yeah. You know what I realized, though, Brian? We've talked about this before on the show. I 
you and I love vacation, love which it. seems like kind of a dumb, obvious thing to Guess say. Guess going on one next week. Oh, you're going on vacation <laughs> yes. next week, aren't you? I That's am. right. So you're getting ready for your vacation. Yes. Okay, I realized something I really like about vacation, this trip. And obviously, like, the obvious things. Uh-huh. You get away, you rest, you connect with your family members, like, the those things. But something I realized... When I am, so I unplugged from social media this week. I unplugged from email. Like I was very intentional to be with my son and be on vacation. Um, I realized how freeing it was to not, it sounds so funny, not have to do anything. Not that, but not the pressure to like, there was so much pressure I put on myself to like, quote unquote, achieve and quote unquote, perform and quote unquote, like work and do and strive. And it is. I, I'm almost like having to come to Jesus moment, like being on vacation and not feeling the pressure to do that. I realized how much I do that in my life. And I know in one sense, this is just reality. Like I came back and was like inundated with emails and phone calls and texts and things I need to get back to. That's fine. That's life. I understand that. But there was something about my posture of just being very present with, um, my son and being very present with myself, like not having to like worry about do this for that person and make sure this person sees that. And am I fulfilling my duty as an author and a speaker? And I don't know. That part was really nice. Mm. And I don't know how to take some of that. I don't think it's realistic to take all of that into day-to-day life, So, I, but taking some of it back I, with me. I do think that's the point of vacation to yeah. the people out there who are like, I can't take a vacation. Right. Well, I'm that's sorry. That's a problem. Yeah. Uh, but I do think there are things I'm, – I'm most curious about the no social media because mm-hmm. I do wonder – I often feel that way when I take social media you breaks do. or go on vacation. Yeah. Like there's like a detoxing moment where you probably got to Disney or somewhere else and we're like, ooh, I should post this on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then going, oh, wait, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm curious why you can't take the social media aspect of that back into your regular life. That yeah. seems the most transferable. Yeah, you, you might be right. Ignore, you you might be right. You can't ignore email. You can't ignore writing no. and work and housework no. and all right. this stuff. Like that, obviously, you can't live as if you're always on vacation. But I do find it interesting that, A, you made the choice. Mm-hmm. I guess I'd like to hear why you made the yeah. choice. Because yeah. a lot of people go on vacation and they they post more. Right, and right. More. So. A, you made the choice to get off of social yes. media on vacation. Yeah. And B, am I right that that feels like the one that might be the one that could be sustained? Okay. So I made the choice because I knew it would, I would be more free and be more present when I went off. Yep. So I don't think it's sustainable in my role as like an author mm-hmm. and a speaker to totally be off social media. I just don't. I okay. don't think I can do my job and be off social media. That said, can I take more regular Sabbaths, more regular breaks, especially in the summer? A hundred percent. And I think you're right. Like none of the other stuff really can I be like, I have no responsibilities. That's not realistic. But that could be a place that gets put yeah. back in its proper perspective so that I have like the pa- the posture that I felt like I had on vacation. I, and I wonder what the proper perspective is for day-to-day social media. Use. Yeah. Because – and it's not just social media. Like even when you said you were inundated with emails when you got back, mm-hmm. like I wonder 
is there a better rhythm? When I find yeah. myself most stressed yeah. by social media or emails or stuff is when I have zero rhythm to it. Mm. When I'm checking social media throughout the day, when I'm checking That's a email really good throughout point. the day. That's a really good point. So maybe the answer isn't how do I live as if I'm on vacation? Right. Maybe the answer is how do I live with a little bit better rhythm Mm. That allows me to yeah, that's good to be able to live a little bit more carefree. I yeah, suppose. yeah, that's that's good. How do you have a little more? How do you have a little more rhythm? And I feel like we've talked about this in the past when it comes to social media or device use. Like you use it, you know, during certain hours of the day, and then you just don't anymore. Period. Mm-hmm. Like you're just not on it anymore. Or yeah, like you're saying, your work email or whatever it is, you certainly are mindful. I don't stop at five o'clock. Like I'm yeah. still working up until bedtime. It's not that I'm not doing other things. I'm talking about my family. I'm watching Netflix. I'm, but I'm also like checking my email, responding to. Well, what if, what if I got better, better at that? Yes, those types of rhythms I think would be really, really helpful. Or we just all live on vacation all the time. <laughs> That's really the other option. Here's the thing. We all have this like uh, this great view of retirement. Like That's what it's going to uh-huh. be. And everyone I talk to who's retired says it's like the opposite. They get busier. But I do <laughs> think so there's true. something. The summer gives us an opportunity, I do think, to reevaluate rhythms. Yeah, that's good. Um, that's like, good. Even You're not going on vacation. You don't have to go on a social media break. Yeah. But, what would it look like to take a day? Or maybe, like you said, I'm going to check in the morning or the night. Mm-hmm, or I'm gonna, mm-hmm. But even I know my day-to-day, I always, like I'm looking at my computer right now. Yeah. I have my email up all the time. Yeah, and so you know when you get a new email. There's nothing stopping me from going, I'm going to check my email when right. I first start in the morning. Right. And I'm going to turn it on again at lunch. Right. And I'm going to click on it again at the end of the day and deal with them there. Yeah. Like there's nothing. I just think that sometimes we don't get creative with our rhythms. And then it just kills us. It yeah. just kills us. And then... Uh, vacation's a whole nother deal. Like I think vacations are essential to everybody, whether you can afford them or not. There's always things you can do that you can afford. Right. Um, right. But it doesn't mean that then you don't live the other 50 weeks of your year without some sort of good rhythm. And I think, I think that is a, a good time. to Yeah. Remember. Yeah. So, okay. That's, that's the advice that I'm taking back with me, Brian, from you today. I need to get into some better rhythms yes. coming back from vacation, established them this summer and fix all of my life's problems for that. No, just kidding. But I think it's a good word for all of us. Uh, whether you can go on a vacation or not, healthy rhythms of social media devices and just being present, that's a good, good yep. reminder for all of us this summer. All right, Brian, well, something else happened in this summer. The Southern Baptist Convention has begun. We're going to be talking about that, I'm sure, all week. We're definitely going to talk about it when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.